0: So if you're joining us on Zoom, it's good to have you with us. Um, I'm going to be reading from um, a few areas in Scripture this morning. I I want to make reference to a story in Mark 7, uh, a story in Luke 11, and a story in Luke 18, and also uh, a story in Genesis 18, 23 to 25. So that's Mark 7, 24 to 30, Luke 11, um, Luke 18 and Genesis 18. Okay, let me um, start with this story. I'm going to read to you from uh, Mark 7. Have you? Uh, before I read, um, if if you're in a position like me and you get an opportunity to talk uh, about the things of God and you carry some stuff in you, and you think God is whispering to you certain things, one of the greatest encouragements is when you meet other church leaders, and they say, hey, have a guess what? I sense God is saying this to me, this to me, this to me. And you go, oh my gosh, that's the same as he's saying to me. Well, I had that experience this week about what I'm going to share with you. um, Because I feel this is really strategic and really critical and really important. Uh, And I was ignorant of this until this week. Uh, So I uncovered something for myself in my own research, in my own study. And it has just electrified me, challenged me. And I want to put this out as a foundation. And then in a bit, I'm going to share with you some of the things that we're going to be uh, moving towards. And this is a break in the pattern that we've been preaching on Uh, worship, and then going into the next subject. Um, So this is just a little bit of a, a hiatus in our plan because of something that God's whispered to me this week. All right, is that okay? So you're down with that? You're ready to, you got your ears on and all that stuff? Okay, here we go. Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre. He tried to keep it secret that he was there, but he couldn't. As usual, the news of his arrival spread fast. Right away, a woman came to him whose little girl was possessed by an evil spirit. She had heard about Jesus, and now she came and fell at his feet. She begged him to release her child from the demon's control. Since she was a Gentile born in the Syria, in Syria, Syrian Phoenicia, Jesus told her, First, I should help my own family, the Jews. It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. Oh, my goodness me. I have struggled with this about my Jesus treating this poor woman in this manner. I have thought, goodness me, you hard-hearted Jesus. Anyway, she replies, that's true, Lord, but even the dogs under the table are given some crumbs from the children's plates. And then I want you to note Jesus' response to her response to his put down. Yeah? Good answer. Good answer, he said. And because you have answered so well, I have healed your daughter. And then when she arrived home, a little girl was lying quietly in bed and the demon had gone what an extraordinary story here is jesus really not wanting to be bothered by people he's he wants to be under the radar for a moment and this woman has heard and has got the audacity to pester him to bang on the door when they're trying to be incognito she's making a hullabaloo drawing attention to the fact that he's in this house here. She's found out where he is, and she's banging the door down. I can imagine the disciples, because of other times when you hear the disciples talking about this kind of pestering, shall we send her away? Just send her away. We'll get, let's just get rid of her, because we're here incognito, with a bit of chill time, a bit of just getting out of the limelight, and Jesus, somehow she gets in front of him. And Jesus hears her plea, and then puts her down. But then her response draws something from Jesus that I think is interesting. It's interesting. It's called in Hebrew the the uh, the Jewish nation. Only how the, In Hebrew, there's only about 4,000, uh, 4, I think it's 4,000, it might be 8,000, I've forgotten that, words. And so they have a lot of words that describe a whole raft of emotion and experience. And part of the Hebrew culture was this word that is manifest here and gets a response from Jesus. The word is chutzpah, chutzpah, not footspah. But Chutzpah. And um, it means utter nerve. Utter nerve. We would say, that person's got neck. That person is really pushy. We would talk about it in a negative way, because that person is a pest, is an irritant, is just getting on my nerves. They won't back off. But in Hebrew culture, it is seen as a positive attribute, not a negative attribute. It is seen as something that is actually a good thing to manifest. And Jesus sees chutzpah in this woman. Because another way of calling that phrase, instead of us saying neck, you could say, bold persistence. And I want to remind you or teach you or give you the opportunity to learn, because that's what I want to do. I want to give you the opportunity to learn. This attitude gets favor from God. Because look at his response. Good answer. Is he speaking to the words or the heart? Is he speaking to the attitude that this woman is presenting? Her child is in need, and she is not backing off because you've got the answer to my problem. My problem is my child, and you've got the answer. I want to give you personal illustration of chutzpah because you heard Kate's test. Sorry, Kate, pointing at you. But Kate's testimony the other week, where Ellie had a, 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 a situation in her mouth, and Kate was worried, and so she spends the night praying with passion, with chutzpah. When Shira was diagnosed as being poorly, mum lays a hold of her and prays with prayer that only a mum can pray to a God that she knows has the power and authority to reverse this diagnosis. A friend of ours some of you know Dave Whisker. He's diagno- He was diagnosed maybe 15 years ago now. Diagnosed with cancer, and the doctor said, you've got a choice now. Go on a really good holiday, or we can start to try and do some uh, medical intervention, but you've got about five weeks. And they s- sat in his office, and they said, thank you for your diagnosis. We reject your prognosis, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. And they got up and they left that office. Sue rang me and just burst into tears on the phone. I was in a conference and she, she was just sobbing and saying, Bill, I, we just need to get people praying. And so I set on a mission to get people praying. They did. We put it out there as far as we can. And the prayer went from people all over the globe praying with passion, with chutzpah, not because I've got passion, but because I understand that the one I'm praying to has got the ability to change these circumstances. So this is a characteristic that is looked on in the Hebrew culture. In Jesus's day, they would have smiled at this. So I I see this situation with this lady coming with this heartbreaking situation where her daughter is possessed and she, and she knows that Jesus can heal her. And Jesus kind of puts her down and she, the chutzpah in her says, I'm not having that. You can, you can, because even the dogs get to eat the crumbs. And I, I, It's not in the words, but it's in my mind. He says, good answer, girl, good answer, good answer, well done. I love that passion. It draws the best out of me. It draws the goodness out of me. It draws the power out of me. It draws the favor out of me. I respond to that. This isn't the only time that this is touched on, this chutzpah. But we need to start by noticing that Jesus' response to it is really, really favorable. Okay? Because if we jump down into Luke 11, this is really interesting. The disciples have said, show us how to pray, Jesus. They're talking to Jesus and they, they understand that their prayer is kind of A little bit weak and a little bit uh, they don't understand you know exactly teach us to pray Jesus and Jesus says "Uh, well okay you should pray like this and uh, this is I think miscalled it's called the Lord's Prayer and I know the Lord is telling the disciples but this is the disciples prayer this is how we should pray um, and this is out of the, New, uh, the uh, New Living Translation. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and don't let us yield to temptation. But then it says in verse 5, then Jesus says, then teaching them more about prayer, he uses this story. So, Understand, he's teaching the disciples. He's not just saying, that's how you should pray. Let me give you some more, um, put some more flesh on this skeleton. Because you need to have chutzpah when you pray the disciples' prayer. So he says this, suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread you say to him a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and i have nothing to, for him to eat and suppose he calls out from his bedroom don't bother me the door is locked for the night and my family are all in bed i can't help you but i tell you this this is jesus's words remember he's using this parable to teach them a point but i tell you this though he won't do it for friendship's sake if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Your shameless persistence. Your chutzpah. Your shameless persistence. But you also need to understand that Jesus is a Jew, and in the Jewish culture, they have this rabbinic tradition that has a particular word for it or phrase for it that I, I don't, I can't remember what it, how it sounds. But it's basically this: they teach by by showing light and heavy. They contrast so you get the point. they They make a contrast. So Jesus is not saying that when you pray, you've got to really persist, you've got to be shamelessly persisting because God does not want to get out of bed. What he's saying is he's contrasting, this is so far away from who your father is. He is nothing like this lazy good-for-nothing who calls himself a friend, who can't be bothered to get out of bed, when you're embarrassed and in need. Because it wasn't just, oh, my friend's turned up and I need to make him a sandwich. He, he's he's playing. Jesus is playing on the Hebraic culture of hospitality. And he's saying, this man was embarrassed. He was in an awkward position. He And he needed his friend to be his friend in that moment because it could save his face. This is really not just, I need a sandwich. This is about, this is much more important. And Jesus is saying, if you think this guy is lazy and bad and good for nothing, well, he is the complete antithesis of what your father is like, your heavenly father. And if you persist in pressing into him, how much more is he going to answer you? How do I know this? Because it goes on. He goes on, so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receive. Everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You fathers, he says, so he's driving the nail even harder. It's going out of sight here. He says, "You fathers, if you ask if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Light and heavy, remember? Or if you ask for an egg and you, and you give them a scorpion, of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He's saying, listen, I don't think you're evil, but listen, in all of your goodness, when you pour out your goodness onto your kids, when they've pestered you and pestered you and pestered you for that latest whatever, he is so much better than that. He is so much better than that. And your shameless persistence will get an answer. It will see something happen. It will bring about that desired change that desired reversal of circumstances. So let's just flick over to Luke 18. Sorry, I'm in Luke 18. Am I? No, I'm not. I'm in Luke 11, aren't I? And I'm going to go to Luke 18. There we go. Oh yeah, here we go. So here's Jesus. See, We've seen Jesus encounter chutzpah, we've seen Jesus say, this is what I'm expecting. This is what you should be manifesting. This is an attitude, a characteristic that needs to be in front and center of your life. It's a characteristic of the kingdom. And if we're going to build kingdom culture within, which is what we're on a mission to do, so that we begin to be more and more people who choose to live a kingdom lifestyle. This attitude of prayer or to prayer is really, really important. So Luke 18, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to illustrate their need for constant prayer and to show them that they must never give up. And this is his story. There was a judge in a certain city who was a godless man with great contempt for everyone. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly appealing for justice against someone who had harmed her. The judge ignored her for a while, but eventually she wore him out. And he says, I fear neither God nor man, he said to himself, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice Because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. So there's the illustration. There's the story. And then Jesus says this. Learn a lesson. Learn a lesson. So he's told them this story. And now he's saying, I want you to learn something here. Let me ask you a rhetorical question. Don't answer it to me. But what use is tomorrow if you don't put into practice what you learn today in your tomorrow. What's the point of it? It's just another day that you've got to go through. But if you learn something, if you hear something, if you experience something that you can put into practice today, it will make a difference in your tomorrow. And this is one of those things, in my opinion. Learn a lesson. Learn a lesson from this evil judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who plead with him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when I, the Son of Man, return, how many will I find who have faith? Who will exhibit a faith full of chutzpah? Are full of this passion, and the passion is fueled not because of the need that needs to be met, but because of the God in whom we pray to. That's where the passion comes from because He is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. And if that's the God that we serve, then why don't we press in and persist? It's because we haven't realized, because we're British culture predominantly, which says it's rude to pester. We call them a pest because they pester. It's an irritant. Stop whining. Stop nagging. Stop being a pest. Go away. Be quiet. Just pray a prayer and just wait. I want to say... If you're willing to just be put off, I don't know where your faith is. Because he is able to do immeasurably more. But the Bible reminds me. So I want to press in. I want to be like these people. Two of them in this room. Another one is down in London. Seeing God do amazing things. Amazing things. Some of the stories we could tell you about uh, the, the Whisker family. Uh, um, Josh is pioneering a church in Dubai right now with his wife. They've gone over to Dubai and they're pioneering a church in Dubai. What? Crazy. But these boys, in the mix, in the midst of all that was going on with their dad, they were meeting with their friends and praying together and interceding together. In uh, Chick-fil-A, I haven't been in one of those, but that's their favorite eating place. Or a burger restaurant in the streets where they, near where they live. And as they're praying in the burger restaurant, they're seeing gold manifest on the tables, like gold dust they're on their clothes. They're seeing people healed. They're seeing people saved. They're in the midst of all that, the pain that they were experiencing with the fear of losing dad, their pressing into God meant that suddenly the kingdom of God was manifesting all around them in the most unusual ways. And I want to say that that's what God looks for. He looks for that, that attitude that the world would say. Actually, the church would tell you, you're arrogant. You're pushy. You're, yeah, you're fanatical. Slow down. You're, you're a little bit of a zealot. Pack it in. Just calm down. Calm down. Calm down. Don't you dare Calm down. Step up. Don't ever shut up. Step up. Jesus is drawn to it. Jesus teaches that this is what works. This attitude that the world would say you're, you're overzealous. God says you're perfect. I'm drawn to you. Like he said to that Syrophoenician lady, good answer good answer. Whoa. I could see him with a smile on his face. I can see him with just such delight in what's happened in this situation. And he just says, you can go. She's free. There's no, he doesn't pray a prayer. He doesn't do anything. But there is a response that she has generated through her attitude, her bold persistence, her shamelessness, persistence. And and I want to say, shameless persistence is a good way of expressing chutzpah. Shameless persistence. Because you see, the, the world, the church, people, your friends, will try and shame you. They'll shame you. And that's a shame. But I want to say that the real shame is if you don't realize that this is something that we should be manifesting, that we should be living out of, I mean, don't be ignorant. Be polite and gracious and friendly, but be like steel, unyielding. So that there is no shame tomorrow when you say, oh, what a shame. I seem to have lost it. Oh, what a shame. I missed that opportunity. What a shame. I'm not, I'm not talking about being shamed. I'm just talking about that expression that we have. Oh, oh. But let's be persistent. It's also all the way back in Genesis. And I love the picture in Genesis. And I'll just talk to you about it because of time. God is going to uh, uh, blitz Sodom because of the unrighteousness in the place. And Abraham gets before God and he says, whoa, 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 whoa. Are you going to kill the the righteous with the unrighteous? Because what if there's 50? What if there's 50 people in that community that are righteous? Are you going to kill them? No, if there's 50, I'll relent. But what if there's 45, is Abraham's response. What if there's 45 and Abraham enters into this incredible conversation with God where he barters God down to 10. I mean, you'd want to go shopping with him, wouldn't you? You'd yeah, get you a deal. But he barters God down. What is that? It's chutzpah. It's understanding the grace of God. It's understanding the, the love of God. It's understanding the character of God because you spend time with him. You know him and you know how far you can push this. You know that you can press in. You know, over the years, uh, my children and my grandchildren, they express chutzpah. Towards me they press in grandpa can grandpa would you can you could you eat What? oh 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 no, no oh, okay okay, okay, because they know my heart, and when you know god 's heart, it makes a difference i 'm going to give you one last illustration, and it 's from a hundred years before Jesus walked the earth, and his name was uh, uh, oni, and you can google him uh, he 's in wikipedia oni he was a, a a Jew of the um, uh, who walked the earth 100 years before Jesus. And he was known as a man who prayed. He was known as a man who had an intimate connection with God. He was known as a man across the nation. He had no um, leadership responsibility. He was just known as a man of God. And the nation of Israel was in a drought. And the nation was um, being pressurized by this drought. And there was a lot of pain and suffering going on as a consequence of this drought. And so the leaders of the nation seek out Oni because they know that this man spends time with God and knows God. And they think if he prays, God will answer. So they come to him and they say, please, Oni, would you intercede on behalf of our nation for rain? Because we know God hears your prayers. So the nation are asking this one man. So he's, so it's, uh, it's recorded. Now, this is in, church, this is in the, uh, the Jewish history, okay? But I don't know whether it's an apocryphal story or not, okay? Because it also says of Oni that he slept for 70 years and then woke up and the world had changed all around him. So, you know, a bit like Rip Van Winkle. Um, so I don't know how much... He was a historical character, but I don't know whether the story is true. But you need to know that this story that I'm going to continue telling you is a story that all of the people around Jesus would have known about. They would have known of this man because he was part of their Hebrew history, part of their culture, because he was the epitome of chutzpah. So Oni comes before God and he says, oh God, the people of your nation have come to me to come to you on their behalf because the land is dry and they're thirsty and we're, we're suffering greatly. Please, would you send rain? Nothing happened. Nothing happened. And so, Ani draws a circle in the dirt. And he steps inside the circle and he says, God? I am not getting out of this circle until you send rain. And in that moment, it said that it began to drizzle. And so, Oni's response is, what is this? This isn't the rain I want. I mean, this is how it's written. This isn't the rain I want. I want rain that fills the cisterns and the the caverns and the rivers. And I want rain that is... And then as he's kind of saying, God, this is the rain I want, suddenly it begins to rain in torrents, in torrents. And Oni says, God, what are you doing? This isn't the rain I want. The rain I want is life-sustaining rain, rain that brings nourishment to the ground and doesn't beat the crops down, but it's actually sustaining and nourishing. And the rain changes and into a steady rain that watered the land. Now, I find that story quite fascinating. Because it was an example of chutzpah that all of the Jews would have known. Because it was part of their cultural history. Just as we know about St. David, and we celebrate his influence on a nation, they would have had this man in their history, and he's there because of his bold, persistent, shameless confidence in that God could meet a need and bring transformation. But he was willing to make a stand and say, this is it and no further. This is it. So Barbara tells us that Christians in the Ukraine are on their knees praying today because of chutzpah, because of who God is, that he's the one that can intervene when their nation is being intimidated by a bully. And that same God can transform the situations that you face, whether it's ill health, or lack, or a hope that this could potentially happen, or all the things that you come to prayer, come to God in prayer with. He is able. He is able. He answers. He shifts. He changes. He turns around. He heals. He delivers. He transforms. And so, I just wanted to stir you this morning and I want to challenge you to be somebody that actually begins to understand. And maybe culturally, you'll have to shift. Maybe culturally, you're going to have to draw your own metaphorical circle on the ground and say, God, I'm going to stand in this. And maybe every day you get out of bed or you, before you go to bed, you, do yourself, you draw yourself a circle and say, God, I'm standing here on behalf of this. And I'm pressing in, God. I need to get into my bed. I need to get into the day. But God, this is my heart. This is my passion. I understand that you are able to do immeasurably more. So I'm actually coming to you on behalf of those that need the more. I'm coming to you because I've had an imagination. I've got a dream. And that it could be that a nation could be saved in a day, that a town like this could be transformed, that a county like this could be transformed, that a nation like ours could be transformed, that nations around the world could be exposed to the power and love of God through the church suddenly realizing that they have authority to pray with a boldness and a confidence to press into him for the transformation that they long for and hope for. Maybe it's just to see your brothers saved or those people uh, I've got a little card. Oh, there it is. I've got a little card that I wrote on that day when I asked you, and I gave you those little cards and said, "Put a name on it. Put a name on it." And every time I see my little card, I pray for those two people, because I well, it's three people on the first, because it's my neighbours, and then it's a friend, Joe. And I pray for them. But I tell you what, I've come back to that prayer for them with more chutzpah now because of what I've learned this week, because of what God's revealing to me and stirring in me. And I, I don't know whether my voice is getting on your nerves or whether you can hear the passion because I want to see transformation. I, I, I was talking to somebody about this very thing this week. And I, I said... and. As I was talking, I was realizing that my, my circle has changed over the years. Because when I came here, my circle was just Calvaria. And there's only one or two people here that know Calvaria. But Calvaria is the chapel at the bottom of the hill. And we came here, and the worst day, there were six people in church. And three of them were Kate and James and me. Ellen was poorly at home. And uh, there were three people there. And I'm saying, oh, God, what have you done to me? Why am I here? What is this? This is awful. My heart was in my boots. And two Korean people walked in to that room at that moment. And my spirits went through the roof. Oh, that's better. That's better. And my circle of prayer was, Lord, please, please. Do something in this church. Do something in this fellowship. Do something here, Lord, that will bring transformation to people's hearts and lives. And and my circle was just Calvaria. And then gradually in the journey, I realized as I was talking about this this week to to a friend, I realized that my circle had changed to the town. And as our, our opportunity of influence had grown as a fellowship, suddenly I realized that my circle, I said, God. Would you pour out your spirit, on Natalie? Would you bring transformation to the high street, to the businesses, to the councils? Would you just pour out your spirit in amongst the schools and the children and the teachers? Would you just... And my circle was a little bit bigger. And then I found in my journey, I realized that my circle was getting even bigger because I began to intercede and pray and Lord... There's only 189,000 people in Carmarthenshire. God, there are churches bigger than that. God, why can't you? Will you pour out your spirit on this county, God? There are churches all around our county. We've got them surrounded. God, there's, there's brilliant churches in Carmarthenshire. There's brilliant churches in Ammonford. And the best churches are here in Glenethley. But God, you've got them surrounded. Pour out your spirit on our county. Would you lead our county councillors, the chief exec? Would you influence them with your glory, your goodness? And my circle got bigger. My circle was bigger. And then I was challenged when I was hanging out with some friends. And one of my friends comes from uh, Bombay. And he was telling us how he had been part of a church and their circle was their city, Bombay, because it was only 14 million people. And they had a strategy and a plan, and they were working towards the city of Bombay being transformed by the power and love of God. And he says, we're still, they're still going at it, but the city is now 20 million. But they're still going. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, forgive me. Our nation is only 3 million people. Lord, that's nothing. It's a drop in the ocean, God. But you love them, and you're passionate about them. Lord, save our nation Heal our nation, transform our nation, bring blessing into our nation, send blessing out from our nation. And my circle was bigger. But what I've noticed is that each time I draw a circle and begin to pray, I find people want to squeeze into my circle. They want to come and stand shoulder to shoulder with me in prayer. And Zephaniah 3 9 tells me that God has purified the lips of his people so that they can worship him together. Or if the same verse, different translation says that I have purified the lips of my people so that they can stand shoulder to shoulder and serve me. So you're not here by accident. You're here maybe as a direct response and nudge from God. You might think you've come here because there's a better job here, more money, and you can support your wider family. You might have been here because you... You might be here because you were following the nudge of God and you went into missions and it brought you here. You might have moved here just because you like the seaside, because you love Llenetli and all of its attractive shopping facilities. (laughs) But I'm telling you, God's put you here on purpose. He's put you where you are on purpose, because if you're not from here, it's the same principle for where you are. And I just want to say to you, Listen, I'm going forward. I'm going to be praying. We're going to be praying. We're going to be doing some things. Uh, The reason I've shared this today is because I wanted today uh, to actually take time today to share with you a whole raft of things that we want to begin to um, put back into the life of the church now that there's a little bit of freedom. Oh, and by the way, next Sunday, uh, we're going to be celebrating here. St. David's Day is on Tuesday, but we're going to be celebrating here on Sunday with Cal. We're going to have a real Welsh nosh up. All right. We're going to have lunch together. All right. And we're going to have fun together. All right. Um, And we're going to do it next Sunday. All right. Because we need to just eat together, don't we? I do anyway. I want to have fun and food with you guys, you know. So we're going to be doing that next Sunday. But there's a whole raft of things that we wanted to just present to you as a leadership, and I don't want to do that in detail today, but we might take a little bit more time next Sunday. But I want to ask you to pray for what you're going to hear now. I want you to stand in the circle that you say, Oh, Kate's initiative with the food bank and, and how that's driving forward, and how that's going to be. Oh, I've got a passion about that. Draw your circle. I'm going to intercede on behalf of Kate and the team that. That run the food bank and the bringing influence into county and into community. And you might just say, God, if you're drawing a circle, can I get in it with you? Carol, you, you, if you're drawing a circle, can I get in it with you? If you've got prayer needs, will you f- feed them to me? Because I'm going to, I want to be in your circle of prayer and intercession. I want to develop chutzpah in my own heart and my passions because I know God cares about the hungry. He feeds them. He cares about the lonely. He puts them in families. He cares about those that are bound up with different situations and circumstances. He sets them free. But I'll need you to understand that praying with chutzpah is what Jesus responds to. Some of you already do it, but you just didn't know what it was called. Some of you have got a real passion in your bones for things to bring, be changed and transformed. I hope you're encouraged. And for those of you that have never heard the expression, like me, I pray that this revelation to you this morning will fuel you in a way that Jesus smiles when you press into him and he says to you, well done, good answer. Thanks for asking. Here's the answer. Here's the answer. So Father, these are all my words. But your words were, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. And we can do this because you are a good, good Father. You never give us snakes or scorpions. You are a good God, full of love and grace and mercy. So I pray, Father. Pour out your spirit on our land. Lord, give us the wherewithal to care for the widows, the orphans, the visitors, and the poor. Lord, those that have got your attention will have our attention. Because they matter to us, and we know they matter to you. So, Father, we pray that as we go forward, that your kingdom would come as we choose to do your will. I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.